Hello and welcome to The Nerd Degree, it is Brendan here. We are taking a little bit of a break at the start of 2019, so what you're going to listen to is an episode that we recorded late last year uh, called Nerd Degree Champion Edition. What I did was uh, I invited a whole bunch of nerds who had appeared over the last few years. Uh, They went back through things that they had written for previous episodes and uh, we put together all the best stuff that we could find plus some new stuff and uh, we jammed it all into one show. This was a show that we did at Little Andromeda which was a tent that was set up in the middle of town in Christchurch. So uh, there will be some things you've heard before if you've listened to all the episodes, uh, but there will also be some new stuff. Uh, Dan Bain will be rewriting The Seven Deadly Sins. Emma Cousin will be telling a story about when she worked on The Hobbit, and uh, Jeff will be doing a musical tribute to the Aliens movies. Uh, So definitely worth a listen, and uh, we'll catch you later in the year. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Nerd Degree! Alright, hello everyone and welcome to The Nerd Degree. Uh, my name is Brendan Bennett's and... Uh, oh, I've already done this part. Cool. Okay. Now we're playing the... <laughs> now we're playing the outro music, so... Yeah. We've gone through That's the end of the show. Yeah. Bye. Now, it's just going. <gasps> Yay! Yay! Woo! Live performance. Live performance. Seamless. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to meet all of our nerds. If you could all introduce yourselves, and because this is our champion edition, if you could maybe say what makes you a champion. Mm. Um, so, Erin, would you start? Oh, kia ora koutou. My name is Erin. Um, there are two things that make me a champion, I've decided. Uh, one is that when I was six years old, I won a like colouring and drawing competition, not in New Zealand, but in Poland. International uh, colouring expert. The second is that I was the champion of science badges and I did heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps, but not meteorology because that was really hard. (laughs) But but botany, you just like steal flowers. So you do science, but only the easy parts. Yeah, 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 it's good. Uh, Kia ora, my name is Jeff Clark. Um, I'm an improviser, comedian, and variety of other things. And uh, I'm the 2017 Christchurch Pun Champion. Ooh. Yes. Uh, I hope I couldn't enter the uh, 2018 pun competition because my wife threatened to leave me. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's, I hold on to my, my tiny little trophy from 2017 very tightly. Hello, my name's Emma. Um, it's really hard for me to think of what I was a champion of, but I actually think it may be I'm the champion of portraying a male more than a female, um, which I do frequently, like in Dungeons and Comedians, when I play Belt, who is a man. That's mm. my champion thing. Uh, hello, my name is Stan. Uh, I am a champion philanthropist. You're welcome. Uh, And I claim this title by the fact that I got an email from Avaz, a wonderful organisation, does a lot of work uh, globally in philanthropic causes, and they have one-click donating on their webs, uh, on their emails, and in attempting to close my phone... (laughs) I donated 140 American dollars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can't ask for it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Hi. you're a performer, oh. you don't have that money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my name's Andrew, I'm an animator, and I'm also a champion, which I discovered at the age of 11. Oh. I'm a champion of those claw-grabbing machines. Oh. Oh. I, I have a 100% success rate. No way! How many times have you done it? Just once. <laughs> <laughs> Never look back. You've got to quote while you're ahead. <laughs> yep. um, Hi, I'm Brendan, and um, in 1997, I came second in the Christchurch Press debating, uh, high school debating competition. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, that's the closest I've come to victory. Really? Uh, so yeah. tonight's going to be my night, I, cool. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I took part in the Christchurch Press debating competition uh, back in high school. Same year? No, not the same year. Oh. Same year, but um, did pretty well. Did you win the How well did you do? Uh, we, we, we won it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I take it all back. Large, <laughs> large number of debaters here. Yeah. Mass. mass Team of mass yeah. debaters. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't up against you this year. Oh, and I'm Laura. I'm your moderator. I'm the champion of ruining things like musical cues. Um, and like many of us here, I have a childhood championship. I won the Standard Four Athletics Cup. No way. Wow. wow. Yep. High jump. That's my I feel like Event. you shouldn't even be allowed on the stage oh. if you're so athletic. <laughs> uh, so uh, Laura is going to be in charge of uh, uh, announcing there's going to be different rounds that we're competing in, and uh, you're going to be distributing the points as you see fit. Laura is the editor of uh, New Zealand's premier erotic journal, Aotearoa Erotica. Uh, so you've got another championship title that I own. Yes. Uh, so you're going to have to apply the same discerning eye. That you um, apply. Well, you to guys the... are going to have to work hard for your points then. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. That was sassy. Yeah. All right, let's do it. What's the first round? Right, first round is a quick fire round. And in this round, our nerds are going to be giving us, appropriately, pick up lines that you may hear in the Star Wars universe. Mm, Star Wars Good. Pecans. Go? Uh, Hi. Sick of going hand solo? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am your father. Stop hitting on me. Oh. <laughs> uh, you will give me your phone number. Oh, that's good. Mm. Um, um, are you the most hated character in Star Wars history? Because Jar Jar making me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, um, it was, hey, baby. Was your, was your home planet destroyed by the Death Star? Because you've been looking for love in all Duran places. Yeah. <laughs> Always two there are. No more. Unless... <laughs> Never no. tell me the odd things you're into in the bedroom. No, there is another. <laughs> <laughs> Sick of a guy who always shoots first? <laughs> <laughs> Let's re-edit your experience. Oh. Uh, this, this one's going to be great. <laughs> wow. Execute <laughs> order 69. <laughs> um, OK, here's a deep cut. Uh, you must be figuring Dan from the modal nodes because there's jizz coming out of your clue horn, and I love it. <laughs> You have to look it up. Um, uh, I'd like to feel your force. Mm. <laughs> Don't give me a sad I am feeling something. I'm something I haven't felt since. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, R2, get up here. You're doing no good back there. 
<laughs> All right, we're in the day. Get Let's more blow this thing and go home. <laughs> All right, Laura. Okay, for our first round, we've got Schindler's Listicles. And first up, I think we've got Erin. Me? Yes, yeah. good. I'm going to um, use this thingy here. So um, I have a list for you. I have redone a list. Uh, so did you know that astrology is back, apparently, mm, in um, mm -hmm. all its ironic and unironic guises, alongside uh, other occult business such as witchcraft and tarot. So if you look at things like, say, The Guardian and The Atlantic and The Observer, they're all asking why are millennials turning to astrology? Um, and I sneak in as a millennial, which is not a joke. Mm. Uh, I'm a zenial with an X, apparently, uh, as opposed to a xenomorph, and I'm not averse to uh, bandwagon jumping or Barnum statements or confirmation bias. But I do think that 2018 being the year that it is, we need a better zodiac. Uh, the existing 12 signs are a bit old hat, I think. Things like maidens and sea goats, not entirely relatable. So I've come up with a new horoscope, uh, 12 new signs, um, and I'd, I'd love to know what you think about them. Uh, sign number one, Steve the Mansplainer. Uh, Steves are known for their mind-numbing persistence and inability to read a room. <laughs> Avocado on toast, the embodiment of your lack of financial independence. Uh, avocados are often victims of theft, but they are always up for a good squeeze. Um, they also have really enviable skin, which is great. Uh, this is one I really relate to, Mark Richardson, the boorish uncle. Mark Richardson's are known for their relentless ubiquity and teach us that mediocrity is no barrier when it comes to finding a second career or a third career or a fourth career, just so long as you are a white male sports person. Uh, quite related to uh, Mark Richardson, the boorish uncle, is Ed Sheeran, the ginger. Um, because uh, like Mark Richardson's, Ed Sheeran's are ubiquitous, but they are far less likely to make a racist slur at the dinner table. Um, Lululemon, the, uh, the overpriced stretchy yoga pant, because Lulus teach us that something can be um, an obnoxious avatar of narcissistic, neoliberal consumer culture and a performative type of middle-class femininity, while also being, like, super fucking comfortable. Um, <laughs> The next one is Snuffy the Pug Chihuahua that you bought for $1,500 on Trade Me but then discarded because of his respiratory issues. Uh, Snuffies are known for their insta-worthiness but also their terrible genes. Kind of related to that is, um, kind of next along the horoscope, is Gwyneth the Turmeric Latte Cleanse. Because what Gwyneths teach us is that uh, we are sick all the time, but that it's really easy to solve this, and you can solve it by being rich and white. <laughs> Ray underscore hater underscore 69, uh, the real true fan, uh, a fuckwit, but also, as we've learned uh, in this last week, a Russian bot as well, so congratulations. Uh, I'm a big fan of Uber the Disruptor, because Ubers, like me, are creative uh, digital natives, and like me, can also teach us how to skirt labour laws. Mm. Um, now, this one's, uh, this one's I only found out about the other day. It's Kerry the Kia, a character that I thought was a mascot from the 1990 sesquicentenary who teaches us about the true and lasting power of marketing on the brain of a nine-year-old. But people on Twitter the other day reminded me that she was actually a character from the early bird show with Russell the Rooster on TV3, which makes sense. Yeah. And actually, the Sesqui 1990 mascot was a horrifying possum hybrid called Pesky Sesqui, who still has their own Twitter handle, at Pesky Sesqui. <laughs> Kerries are imaginative and highlight the plasticity of memory. Uh, there is, of course, Harvey the Sleaze. Harveys are powerful and well-connected until they're not. And finally, we have uh, Scorpio the Scorpion, 
A team of Scorpios fought their way back onto this list, teaching us that bad reputations make for lasting impressions. So what I'd like you to do as you go about your day is to think about what sign you are, maybe what your rising sign is. Um, I know for a fact that I am a Mark Richardson, the boorish uncle, but I have a really nice rising Lululemon, and it makes me an awesome person to be around. So, <laughs> thanks. Our next nerd to uh, take a list of things and reimagine it is you, Brendan. So, like Erin, uh, I wanted to reimagine a list. Um, when I was young, I always got very... No, actually, this is still true. I always get very confused with the months of the year because I know that deck means 10, but it's the 12th month. And so what I thought that I would do is I would take the months of the year and create a more logical, uh, understandable system just by renaming some of the months. So we're going to start... January is going to be replaced with Startuary because the start of the year, that makes sense. Uh, February, very simple, it will be Birthuary because that's when my birthday is mm. and everyone should remember that. <laughs> um, third month, March. I feel like March is too aggressive for this early in the year. So March will be replaced with Saunter. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, April, April is the fourth month. April will stay as April, but we will just all know that April now refers to April O'Neil from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm. Um, May. Now, I think people would complain if I changed May because I know nerds like saying, May the 4th be with you on May the 4th. But I think they're going to like it even more when I change May to Jedi Star Wars Lando Calrissian. LAUGHTER uh, Six month June. <coughs> June will stay June, but we'll change the J to a D, and June will be when we celebrate June 2, the Battle for Arrakis, the first real-time strategy game. <laughs> it's worthy of celebration. Um, then uh, seventh month, July. Now, of course, we know that July is one of the reasons why the months are out of sequence. It was added in to celebrate Julius Caesar, uh, the leader who was born in that month. But, you know, Julius Caesar is out of date, so we need another popular leader who was born in July, so July will be renamed Jucinda. <laughs> um, August, of course, being the eighth month, will now be October. September will... I mean, it's so much, it'll be so much simpler if we can just call August October, and then we'll call September November, um, except we'll change November to Movember uh, officially, because now that so many men have beards and moustaches, they can't really do the Movember thing anymore. So it would be more effective if instead, during that month, they shaved off their moustaches. Oh. So then, uh, there could be, a, during Movember, we could have the November campaign. Uh, <laughs> ah. It's obvious, it's simple. October, of course, now becomes December. This was my entire goal to begin with. The 10th month is now December. Uh, November technically should be called now undecember, um, but to make it easy to remember, it'll just be called Ocean's Elevenuary. <laughs> December will now be Endvember. Um, so put all together, it's very easy to remember. 30 days hath Movember, April, June 2, and Ocean's Elevenuary. All the rest have 30 run, except for Birthuary alone. Birthuary the 9th is my birthday. Everyone has to remember Birthuary the 9th. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And our last listy nerd is Dan. In March 2008, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, at the bequest of His Holiness, Pope Benedict XVI, issued an extra seven deadly sins. 
to its 1.3 billion followers. These are new sins. These are the sins, ladies and gentlemen, of a modern age. These are sins that Jesus didn't know about, but we're pretty, pretty sure he did prove them. If you're not able to play, the original seven deadly sins are vice, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. What a list that is. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a catchy list as well. It reminds me of a time when religion took itself seriously and employed writers. <laughs> that list rolls off the tongue. It uh, fills you with a sense of, uh, you know, of, of uh, human foibles and imperfection in the face of an infinite but loving creator God. This is the new list of seven deadly sins. Environmental pollution, genetic manipulation, accumulating excessive wealth, inflicting poverty, drug trafficking and consumption, morally debatable experiments, and violations of fundamental human rights. That's catchy, eh? <laughs> You're really going to be able to indoctrinate my impressionable children with that memorable piece of prose. The first rule of cults, ladies and gentlemen, needs, is be catchy. Yeah? So I... Um, I rewrote it. I made it catchier. So, littering, <laughs> thinking, hoarding, stealing, being a player, science, <laughs> <laughs> and violations of fundamental human rights. The last, you can't work any magic over that last one. Also, yes, the Pope, the Pope is a notorious player hater. Um, I think, I think my, my personal favourite one is morally debatable experiments. <laughs> like, is it possible to debate the ethics of the experiment you're about to perform here, Doctor? Well, I mean, I suppose you could if you objected to experimentation on microorganisms. I mean, I'm working on a cure for the common cold, so a lot of the little blighters are going to, hopefully, going to die. But I think the good will Ah, so there is a potential grey area that might need to be debated. Well, I mean, I suppose I could debate you and put together a kind of compelling... No! Too late! <laughs> if it needs debate, you are a sinner. Sinner, sinner! Deadly sinner! Go to hell without your dinner. See, that's how you make it catchy. <laughs> you just make it rhyme. So those, those are the new deadly sins. Deadly! 14 deadly sins now. Um, and I, th I think now that they really, you know, I mean, if they're going to make all these deadly sins, they need to start kind of just, just keep, keep bringing them in. But, like, obviously on a gradient, right? So, you know, uh, maybe the seven mildly hazardous sins mm. and the seven irritating symptoms sins. These, those just clear up with some antibiotics. <laughs> The seven mildly hazardous sins, of course, are uh, paying attention, delicious food, the female orgasm, <laughs> using the internet, laughing at nuns, not washing your hands, and reading Harry Potter. Uh. I think, like, uh, I think uh, collectively, as people these days, we, we don't actually respond that well to, to kind of to naysaying, to like, this is, this is doom, this is terrible. Um, which is why the original Seven Deadly Sins, when they came out, they had seven saintly virtues that went with them, 
right, to, to the kind of companion pieces to kind of make you feel good about yourself. Here's what you do that's good. Those were virtue, chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, forgiveness, kindness, and humility. But nothing came out to boost us up with, with the new ones. And, and, I mean, to be honest, also, those are saintly virtues, which um, in order to be a saint, you need to be dead, and you need to be canonized, and that requires a verifiable miracle kind of uh, done in your own name, which is really difficult because there's no such thing as miracles. Um, <laughs> so I thought I'd leave you tonight with Dan's seven human lovely things just to help you be a better person. One, get a hobby. <laughs> Two, strive for excellence. No, well, because it's your job to further the human race, right? Whether you're curing cancer or making kind of windows the like the cleanest they've ever been, you're in a really awesome position, right, to know what everyone in the past has done. So it's quite easy to kind of leapfrog off that. You're already one step ahead, yeah? Three, um, develop a masterful command of the language of sex. Sex is quite good. It's even better when you're amazing at it, yeah? Mm. At least I hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're at it. Um, you probably learn another language, yeah? It'd be good for your brain. Um, five, read a book because ignorance is a crime that's bringing us as a species into disrepute. Uh, six, get a good night's sleep more often than not. Uh, and seven, um, love someone. Oh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. Dan, I'd love to see David Fincher try and make another seven movie <laughs> about these. <laughs> Environmental palooka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Laura, that brings us to the end of the round, I believe. It does bring us to the end of the round. I'm going to give you all ten points minus the time you spent talking. So, well done, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So the okay, great. Um, uh, and now we're going to have some nerds who are going to reimagine some pop culture property. Mm. Um, so we have Andrew up. Right. I've got my uh, three-hour Pinocchio sci-fi screen today. <laughs> yeah. So just remember, it's ten well, that, points minus yeah. however many yeah. minutes. Well, that was the previous round. I could have changed. Is, is this the super cut? Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. cut it down to... Uh, is, is ten minutes okay? No. Yeah. <laughs> five minutes? Yeah. I, I'll try and do five. Okay. <clears throat> Consider a futuristic world where autom automation is commonplace. Robots and flying cars are everywhere, and one monopolistic corporation meets the world's enormous energy needs thanks to methods far more advanced than our own. And you, a child, stumble onto the terrible truth of these methods. Effectively, limitless energy is being siphoned from a magical puppet called Pinocchio. Centuries ago, the young puppet set out to become a real boy, but was captured by venture capitalists who exploited the magical growing power of his nose to generate energy. Whenever Pinocchio tells a lie, his nose grows. This is a fundamental law. Now, attaching weights to his nose only makes his nose push those weights, and so energy is very easily extracted by mechanical means, allowing Pinocchio's captors to flourish as a company and eventually develop more technologically advanced ways of efficiently extracting more energy. So when you discover Pinocchio imprisoned and hooked up in a world of virtual reality wherein he is encouraged to tell lies, unaware that his nose is powering a planet's worth of high-tech systems, you help him to escape. This move kicks off a global energy crisis as backup power sources are insufficient to replace the magic nose that was so relied upon for so long. So when you and Pinocchio escape, you emerge into a world slipping into chaos as advanced technology and automation begin to shut down. Although you are unable to find the rest of your family again, Pinocchio vows to help you. He sees you, a real child, as his role model, and you see him as a friend. 
And it is during these chaotic conditions that the robots themselves, who always knew their places or automatons, begin to question their role in this decaying world and start to assert their collective identity as conscious, real beings. Pinocchio is easily accepted as one of the robots, and the robot revolution that transpires to strike back at the global corporation that kept them loyal by being their only energy source, you, you yourself fight alongside the robots as an equal, one of their many flesh and blood allies. Pinocchio learns much from these robots who refuse to accept the idea that they are not real people. Thanks to your knowledge, eventually the fight comes back to the very place where Pinocchio was imprisoned. And at the climax of the battle within the belly of the beast, like a whale, so to speak, Pinocchio is nowhere to be found. And you are mortally injured by a robot that was loyal to the corporation, not the resistance. Pinocchio soon arrives, having been captured, and is brought face to face with the man behind the corporation. It is... Pinocchio's creator, Geppetto, or rather, the mind of Geppetto, which was uploaded into an artificial brain when his body died long ago. Oh. Geppetto now exists as an AI construct whose body is the corporation itself. Wow. Both he and Pinocchio now accept that it doesn't matter whether we're made of flesh or wood or printed circuit boards, we are all alive, real people. And as such, Geppetto reasons, if Pinocchio refused to continue providing the robot's energy needs, the puppet would be a genocidal murderer, willingly causing the deaths of many real people. As you lie there slowly dying, Geppetto strikes a bargain with Pinocchio to make him come back to his rightful place in the machine that powers the world with lies, and in exchange you will be saved in the same way that Geppetto was able to sidestep death itself. Pinocchio watches as his friend, you, a real child, is transformed into a virtual real child inside the machine, and then he surrenders to his old prison. But what Geppetto didn't know is that Pinocchio had been doing some meddling with the machine. From all those years trapped down there and since escaping, he'd learned a thing or two about how it worked. As Geppetto's loyal hench robot strapped Pinocchio's nose back into the dynamo, no one was any the wiser that the magic puppet had made a small improvement to it. While you were mortally injured, Pinocchio had been off hacking the system, increasing the machine's resistance to astronomical levels, so that when he told his next lie, the machine put too much load on the growth of his nose, its energy extraction field essentially preventing his nose from growing. The unstoppable force met an immovable object. Here was Pinocchio telling a lie and his nose unable to grow, and so the very fabric of reality readjusted itself to make Pinocchio's lie become the truth. It was a simple lie, just to test his hypothesis. He lied that Geppetto's hench robot was a donkey. And so it was that where a robot had been standing before, there was now a brain, flesh, and blood donkey. At this point, Pinocchio understands that he wields limitless power, and yet, powerful as he is, he succumbs to doubt. He tells another lie, that you, his friend, had not merely been mortally injured. And so it is. You're still alive in the computer, and... Through your robotic camera eyes, you watch as your flesh body comes back to life, a reanimated version of you. And both of you call out to Pinocchio in confusion, not understanding why he truly didn't believe that artificial people are real people too. Pinocchio doesn't hear you. He knows that he can be so much more than a real boy when he can be a real god. And his word is automatically truth. And so he continues speaking, reshaping reality to fit his desires, turning all the robots into flesh and blood humans, commanding problems such as energy consumption and extraction out of existence, and basically using word of God to turn everything into what he considers to be proper. Consider now a much older Pinocchio. Hang on, hang on, Andrew. <laughs> hang on, Andrew. Who has transcended like the conventional movie. reality. Yeah. And he watches our world with detached interest, abstaining from interfering with the lives of mortals and musing on his conclusions about consciousness <laughs> and the fact that while he was a puppet, he thought he wasn't real. But now... He is the puppeteer, and his puppet is reality itself. <laughs> oh. That's amazing. Wow.
That's amazing. Have you have you sent that to Christopher Nolan? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon he could do something good with it. Doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's amazing. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> so we're ready for the next one then. <laughs> um, Jeff, I oh, think right. you're taking uh, this way with the help of some me. others. Yes, I will follow this um, with a, uh, a, a piece of uh, speculative reimaginings that I did. Um, I've, I, I'm actually going to need everyone's help for this, so I've actually oh. shared it with you as a Google document. Um, so right. if you oh, check your phones, um, um, <laughs> it'll be on there. Um, I have I've a real bad cold, does that matter? No, 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 it'll, it's actually perfect okay. for what we're doing. All right, so this, is, um, this was written at the start of 2017 uh, in the wake of what was one of the biggest oh, okay. uh, sure. cultural phenomenons oh, yeah, that came out, which was, of course, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, so what I have created is a piece of fan fiction, uh, which I think, um, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I think improves on the, uh, <laughs> on the concept. Um, I'll be reading, uh, I'll be reading uh, the, the, the directions and um, I, the others, you will be the cast. Um, I, if there's a role that hasn't been assigned, I'll, I'll, I'll play it if that's, I have that's to. That's very generous. Oh. All right. Um, I'm really suspicious about this. <laughs> Darker things. A piece Can I just say, Jeff, like, I'm not logged into my fucking Gmail. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and this is taking forever. We'll share, Dan. No. Well, don't worry, you don't have that many lines. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're, 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 you're playing the role of Lucas. Okay, um, with Dan Bank. Yep, great. Yeah. Okay, so, um, interior, a basement games room in the 1980s. Hawkins, Indiana, the mid-1980s. A nostalgia-inducing but still affordable piece of music from the 80s is playing. That's the, th that's the <laughs> third time you've said the 80s in one sentence. And it'll, I will say the 80s many more times. It's Stranger Things. Uh, a group of three 12-year-old nerdy kids are sitting around a board filled with pewter orcs, goblins, and adventurers. They've been playing a role-playing game, but are at present arguing about something else. Uh, I'm just saying... There's no way Batman could beat Superman. Seriously, he's Batman. Of course he could. He always has a plan. Well, I want to see the Fantastic Four in a movie. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the basement door bursts open and the new kid in school, uh, Jess Dark, enters. He, no, is hold on, hold on, hold on. he is fashionably skinny <laughs> and wears glasses that show he is really, really smart. He has a bandage around his hand. Uh, accompanying him is a slight figure wearing a hooded sweatshirt with some 80s reference on it. Let's say Alf. Remember, Alf Alf is on the sweatshirt. Great. Hey, it's the mysterious new kid, Jeff, uh, Jess Clark. Dark. Jess, Jess Dark. <laughs> is this you, Jeff? No, it's Jess Dark. Jess Dark. Jess Dark, yep. He has, like, the latest Transformer toys watches the TV show and reads the comic book, which has important differences, differences from the, from the animated, animated series. series. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's totally cool and awesome. Dan, could, you, could you say that again with a little more feeling? Yeah, he's totally cool and awesome. Great, great, great. What's up, Jess? Um, oh, this hasn't been assigned to anyone. I'll have to play the role. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Jeff's voice is low and masculine because he's gone through an early and mercifully swift puberty. <laughs> Not a long, drawn-out and painful process over half a decade. There's something going on in the Department of Energy. They've been doing weird experiments on people. That's what happened to Will. I've, I've never been so attracted to a preteen. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you're totally right. Whoa. I saved one of them. The uh, figure in the hoodie takes off the hood to reveal it's a 12-year-old girl with a very short haircut. This is 
My name is Twelve. I saved Twelve from some government assassins. Then I brought her here. She has superpowers. Wow, that is so cool. You're awesome, Jess. What sort of superpowers? Uh, Twelve points at Lucas and floats him into the air, then points at a chair and it explodes. It is pretty cool. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I like Eggos. Uh, this can be changed to uh, Pop-Tarts if Pop-Tarts do a sponsorship deal. Uh, suddenly, the Demogorgon, Aaron, Hi. enters through a dimensional rift. <laughs> Everyone else is really, really scared, except for Jess, who's totally brave. No way, monster. You won't take her. Jess jumps in front of the creature as it attracts 12, but it manages to stab her with its claw things. And um, <laughs> Jess catches her as she falls with my, uh, I mean, his injured hand. He winces because it hurts, but he doesn't drop it because he's awesome. Raw! <coughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <coughs> yep. Uh, the, 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 that was good. That was good. Uh, good. The Demogorgon advances just uh, while the other kids cower in fear. Jess raises his hand to protect 12. Suddenly a burst of white light erupts from his hand and the Demogorgon is bashed back into another dimension. Pew, 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 pew. What just pew. happened? What just Jess, happened? Yeah, great. Uh, Jess looks at his hand, then at 12, who is bleeding in a dramatic but not life-threatening fashion as he holds her up with his other hand, his injured hand. My blood has given you my powers. <laughs> I never asked for these powers, but I will use them to fight evil wherever I can. And, and we'll be your team. <laughs> End of part one. <laughs> so if you want to see the rest of it, I'm posting it on Reddit um, in chapters. And um, no, no, I'm not. That was incredible. Mm, thank you. Excellent you, you, use. You were incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Excellent use of everyone else's skills to boost your own powers there. Jeff, like a true champion. Um, our next round is our quickfire two round. Okay. Ooh. Here we are going to Game of Thrones and we are going to have some advertising slogans. Advertising slogans. Advertising yeah. slogans for yep. Game of Thrones. Yep. Oh, Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, read wedding, spray and walk away. <laughs> um, okay. Um, um, uh, high, high garden uh, greenhouses because winter is coming and you grow nothing on snow. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know nothing about low, low prices, Jon Snow. <laughs> no, yeah. I've been... Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, thank you for that. that was <laughs> <laughs> Quick, yeah. see the wall before it, season seven spoilers redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, try our new brand of Sauvignon Blanc with trivia on uh, the base. That way you can drink wine and know things. <laughs> uh, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die or you get 50 bonus flybys points. <laughs> if you need affordable groceries at a great price, a girl has no name brand. <laughs> Get your king's hand hand, a pewter replica of the gold hand. <laughs> I have not seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, got snow? Oh, I haven't nice. seen Game of Thrones either. <laughs> okay. uh, the, the night is dark and full of discounts. <laughs> um, I tried Tyrion's veterinary services because a Lannister always spays his pets. Hodor's door jams. They'd solve a lot of problems. 
Uh, I've just written dragon stoned. <laughs> Is that a That's thing? right, because yeah. all I wrote was little finger. And then <laughs> there'd be some, some innuendo that yeah, I could yeah. just kind of slide in. <laughs> all right, we'll end it there. Give Yay! them a round. <laughs> Uh, how are we doing on the scores, Laura? Uh, we're doing pretty well. Jeff is doing very well. Well oh, done, Jeff. Thank you. You're on. I've, I'm actually adding as a go. I'm up to about 18 for you. Erin, wow. um, you're coming in next with about 12. Wow. Yeah, about. So we've got some about, well, yes. My adding is, is getting better. <coughs> so go. Um, Erin, you're on 12. Um, Brendan, you are coming in after that with nine. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So some Second catching place. up to do. Yeah. It's yeah. my yeah. aim. A bit of catching. Yeah. Okay. It's right. just like high school all over again, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> That whole debating competition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. sorry, sorry. Our next round is Thou Shalt Not Pass Go. And, <laughs> Brendan, I'm going to start with you. This is, this is a Gandalf round. Or the, the, this is our most specific <laughs> yeah. round. Or yeah. <laughs> the Gandalf round. Okay. Um, so, I, uh, you know, I, I really love Lord of the Rings, but the other thing that I really love is professional wrestling. So, uh, <laughs> and when I think about wrestling, uh, I think about the voice of wrestling, uh, J.R. Uh, Tolkien. And so, uh, what I would like to present for you now is, um, what, if, um, what if the worlds of professional wrestling and Lord of the Rings were to combine? So here is a, uh, what's, uh, what we call a promo in the wrestling biz. Okay. <clears throat> you know me by many names. Mithrandir, Stormcrow, Elfrend, the White Rider, or perhaps you know me as Gandalf the Grey. You saw me at Misty Mountain Mania when I fought in the fatal five-way known as the Battle of Five Armies. You've seen me at the Shire, yeah, there were fireworks, and I was at Gondor, but I did not call for aid. And I am honored to be here at the Khazad Doom Bridge Center. Because I know, and everyone knows, that Moria fans are the best fans in the world. Now, you may not have been expecting to see me here tonight. You maybe thought that I was going to be at the Gap of Rohan. But no, I'm here because there's something I have to say. And I'm saying it to you, Durin's Bane. That's right, the Balrog. Balrog, I'm calling you out. (laughs) You think you can waltz across this bridge? At this time, you think just because I just arrived here that this is your house? This is not your house. Yes, you may have slumbered here for 200 years, but I'm not late to this party. I am a wizard, and a wizard is never late. He arrives exactly when he means to, and right now I mean to arrive exactly to kick your flaming-tailed ass. Now it occurs to me that maybe, just maybe, you think you can pass. Well... (laughs) Let me disabuse you of that notion. Now, I may be called Gandalf the Grey, but there will be no grey area tonight. I'm going to spell this out in black and white. Last time I checked, there was only one servant of the secret fire here. And it sure ain't you, Balrog. Are you a wielder of the flame of Arnor? I didn't think so. Perhaps, and I can't believe anyone would be this dumb, but perhaps that you think that your dark fire will avail you. Your dark fire will not avail you here, Flame of Udun. Yeah, you heard me. (laughs) Now, why don't you take your sorry whip and go back to the shadows? Yeah, fly, you fool. (laughs) So, you think you can pass? You couldn't pass a blood test. (laughs) 
because you're made of lava. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't pass in the passing lane. You couldn't pass a bowl of old bran with extra fiber. <laughs> so if you think you can pass on this bridge and attack my fellowship and my ring bearer, well, I have four words for you. You shall not pass! <laughs> And then he hits him with a chair. <laughs> yeah. That was epic. Yeah. And following that masterful performance, we've got Emma. Oh, great. Okay, this will be quite different. Um, <laughs> some of you um, will not have seen me stand before. <laughs> um, so my name's Emma Cusden. I'm a famous female who plays men often. And I am four foot ten and a half. I'm really thank yeah. you. Thank you. Good night. No, um, there's more. There's more. I wanted to do something a little different tonight because I was going to be champion of portraying men, even better than men, apparently. And um, so I actually want to tell you a real life story rather than a heavily scripted um, piece, right? So I just want to speak from the heart, from my own experience. Uh, and so we're just going to go back in time a little bit. Um, Emma, myself, have always been very short. And um, it's been good for me. It's been good in my life because it's forced me to get um, really good at certain things. Um, uh, like high kicks. I can do that. I'm going to close on a high kick. I'm just going to let you know. It's not, it's not really relevant to the story. I just like doing them. So I'm just going to tell you that I'm going to do that in advance. Um, so one of the real joys about being short is um, you've got quite a few career prospects. One is being a jockey. I don't know what else is on the list, actually, but being a jockey is very high. So I had to learn how to ride very young, and then I became an actor. And then um, auditions for um, The Hobbit came out. Not acting auditions, um, just short um, people auditions. And so I went and auditioned, and I actually um, got a part in The Hobbit. I was in The Hobbit films. Um, I was a scale double, and I wasn't a hobbit. That's a great surprise to most people. Um, I was a dwarf. So I was a scale double for Oin the Dwarf. He's the um, real old guy in the Hobbit films. I see some people nodding, like, yeah, that guy. He's got, like, an ear trumpet for most of the films. That's really the only thing. He's got a really long, plaited beard. Um, and he was in a barrel in the second film. Um, and I know that because I was in a barrel. <laughs> That's how I know that. Anyway, so I was on set for a number of weeks, and so um, we saw a lot of uh, famous people kind of hovering around, and if I'm any kind of nerd, I'm actually a Shakespeare nerd. I love Shakespeare, and um, so um, Serene McKellen is like, oh, right? And a lot of people, um, especially the ladies, were like, oh my God, I saw Orlando in the, uh, in the, um, the catering tent, because we all ate together, but it was like this weird hierarchy of like... Um, it's like American schools, you know, like people in the front were like the famous actors closest to the food. People at the back were like the extras one day on set. So when you're a scale double, you're kind of somewhere in the middle. You get like the middle seats. They're kind of saved for you. Um, so that was kind of nice. But generally, people weren't in their costumes. So that was, you got to kind of, like you'd have to double take people like, oh, that's what he looks like in real life. So... Uh, anyway, uh, so I had heard through the grapevine that Sir Ian had become quite good at um, just, like, uh, being places in his full Gandalf garb. A friend of mine had said that he'd gone to the toilets, and we had, like, segregated toilets. If you weren't, like, a high talent... If you're high talent, if you're Sir Ian, you get your own toilet, 
right? Nobody, you, don't have to, you don't have to wait. You just get to piss straight away. But for the rest of us, we, you know, we have these stalls and we have to wait. Um, and he, he would famously just come out full Gandalf garb, still getting his stuff together. And I was like, damn it, I wish I was a real boy. Oh, you know, um, but it, it didn't happen. So anyway, we got quite, quite close to the end of my stint on set anyway. And... Um, I mean, Peter Jackson puts on so much food. It's really amazing food, too. And there's lines. You still have to get in lines. It really is like an American school. And so one of these days, it was really cold, because we're in Wellington. It's like, oh, it's cold, and it's wet, and it's gross. And I was like, OK, um, there's soup on. And that's always, you know, we've all been there. Like, when you go to a restaurant, they say they're, they're serving soup. It's like, well, what soup? Because, like, if it's pumpkin, I'm in. If it's, like, frickin' like potato and leek. I mean, that's touch and go. We all know this, right, about soups. You know, there are sure fire hits and then there are sure stinkers and you just got to be really careful. So the like little label, like I got in the line and the label was really small. Like you couldn't see. So I had to like freaking get up and go and look and I was like, right, potato. It wasn't potato, I'm lying. It was pumpkin and coomera. And I was like, yeah, yep, yep. I'm getting in on that, absolutely. So I got in the line and it's like, 12 o'clock, because it was lunch break, correct. So I'm standing there, and I'm like, Ugh. and we've been there since like 4 a.m. And so really tired, got my bowl and my spoon, and I'm waiting. And um, I can s kind of sense somebody behind me in the line. Somebody's joined the line behind me. And I can sense them trying to look around me to see what, and I'm like, oh, here we go. This is the whole, the soup sign is too small, malarkey again. I'm not going to make this person leave the line and go and walk up and find out the pumpkin and coomera. All right? I can just tell the person. So I'm like, okay, it's pa, and I got to ah, uh, and it was full Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> With like, like, he's been out fighting or something, and there's like water, like he's got the drippy wig. You know, we've all seen the films, the drippy wig and the beads on the face, and he's doing this. <laughs> um, and I kind of had this thing prepared like I am going to see him on set and this is what I'm going to say to him you know like Sir Ian you know you've changed my life I love your work you're incredible you inspire me and instead all I did was it's pa and then everything inside me just crapped itself <laughs> and I couldn't tell him even that it was pumpkin and kumara soup that day. I just turned around and continued the ah uh, until my breath ran out and just stood there with my bowl terrified. So that is my encounter with Gandalf the Grey. Here you are. Yeah. Well, uh, you shall both pass go. Yeah. Do they get $200? You both get $200. Um, and <laughs> I really need continue it. Continue on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, our next round is that belongs in a museum. Um, and Erin, are you able to? I am. Tell us what you have in. Absolutely. Cool. So um, we we have some wonderful journalists in this city. Uh, they they work like 200 metres that way. Yeah. So uh, I have to say that they're really good, or they'll come down and beat us up. Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. So we have a uh, wonderful newspaper called The Press. Uh, but however, The Press contains one of my outright biggest fucking pet peeves <laughs> in, my, in my, whole, my whole life. I can't believe how much this winds me up. They um, write what are possibly the worst cafe and restaurant reviews 
in the history of the English language. They're just so poorly written and banal and so on. So I work at the university, I work in an English department, and they're so bad that I've printed them out and given them to my colleagues who are currently teaching a master's in writing to use as examples of how not to write. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what I did for an episode a while back when I was particularly on my fucking high horse about this and like bashing out angry comments about this on Twitter whenever I wasn't um, in class trying to present as a regular sane human being, is um, I decided to write a restaurant review of the feast, I think it's called the Feast of the Guardian in um, Temple of Doom, uh, in the style of a Christchurch <laughs> Press restaurant review. <laughs> Local hospitality kingpins Spielberg and Lucas have recently had hits with hot local favourites The Ark and The Crusade. Now they have opened a hot new eatery, drinkery, gorgery and burpery venture, The Temple, and it's generating good buzz. <laughs> Expectations are high for this hot hive of activity, which also has a nice low hum of vibrant chatter and hot cafe clatter. The indoor dining room, as expected, is indoors. <laughs> We sit on the floor, authentically. The dancing girls are a nice touch, although we question the need for so many scimitars. It's all a little 2014. All up, the eatery has a refreshingly on-trend Indian vibe, which might also be an Arabian vibe. Either way, it's on point. <laughs> we get the only wine on the exhaustive wine list, the House Red, $9 a goblet, which is local and it is perfectly drinkable, but also punchy and unique. The set menu is refreshingly eclectic and quirky. We hungrily eye up the options, of which there are none. <laughs> As a starter, we are given the snake surprise, $27.50, which is a sharing plate for two, and it is designed for two people who will share the plate. It has a wonderfully snaky vibe. The Wrigley eels inside are a little bland, but it's good value for money and is definitely a surprise. <laughs> Unfortunately, a heavy-handed use of turmeric let the food down, although it did taste very authentic. <laughs> for the main, my significant other chooses the crunchy uh, Coleoptera, $25. You get four oversized crunchy beetles and some delectable dipping sauce. While it's a major fail, it also stacks up well against other on-trend beetle dishes offered at other authentic on-trend eateries, so it's a win from him. It's also gluten-free. <laughs> I break with tradition and go for the house special, soup of the head, $24. It was a cut above other eyeball soups I'd devoured <laughs> elsewhere due to the blend of fragrant Moroccan spices, taking them into a league of their own, giving everything a Southeast Asian vibe. <laughs> Unfortunately, a heavy-handed use of soup let the food down, although it tasted very authentic. <laughs> to finish, we couldn't go past the temple's signature dessert, Primate Parfait of Chilled Brains, $15. It's executive and glossy with a rustic vibe, and the monkey heads are a nice touch. <laughs> it tastes like something you'd get in Melbourne. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, a heavy-handed use of the authentic let the food down, although it tasted very monkey. <laughs> Often the aim of these eateries is to feed people, and this was achieved here. <laughs> As we went to pay, we were surprised to find that we'd been shoulder-tapped to take part in the night's entertainment, which was a human sacrifice. <laughs> While there were a few signs of opening week rustiness, it felt very authentic. <laughs> Five stars. Yay!
Thanks, Erin. Um, for more things that belong in a museum, Emma. Yay! Okay, great. Um, I'm actually kind of doing a pitch for um, somebody I think you should consider for um, New Zealander of the Year 2019. I know we're not there yet, but I just want you to consider it. Um, I think New Zealand is home to many legendary figures, um, you know, Jacinda Ardern, Neil Finn, Tim Finn, probably some others. Liam Finn. Oh, Thingy. I wrote Thingy down. I thought um, that was good. Liam Finn, nice touch. Um, but there's one New Zealander that I find is often really overlooked, which is um, quite surprising to me. Um, this individual has had a lengthy and impressive career. They possess many qualities um, worth admiring, such as resilience, strength, power, determination. They have entertained young and old for over a decade. I am, of course, talking about the Colossal Squid. Mm-hmm. So, um, <coughs> from the moment the Colossal Squid went on display at Te Papa in 2007, I have been obsessed with the Colossal Squid. And here is a comprised list of reasons why uh, I think that the Colossal Squid should be something you're obsessed by also. But uh, I think the Colossal Squid should be New Zealander of the Year 2019. First reason, the Colossal Squid is an immigrant. That's a nice message, isn't it? Come to New Zealand and we will celebrate you. Um, Secondly, she's a big-ass woman. Um, So the Colossal Squid was so big when they discovered her that they thought that she was the first male ever to be discovered. Scientists were disappointed to discover that she was actually a female. But she reps it. Good. Um, She gave her life for others. The colossal squid was actually pulled up out of the Antarctic seas, clutching hold of a fish. Nobody knows why. (laughs) Isn't that meaningful? She gave her life for that dead-ass fish. Um, She's so important, here's another reason, she's so important that Te Papa have actually, this is a little secret, they have two other colossal squids frozen, waiting in the wings for the day that the colossal squid that they currently have on display can no longer be on display. So I think that basically puts the current colossal squid as like prime minister level, right? Like the second she can't do her job anymore, we've got to replace her. That's pretty important. For all of you soccer fans out there, if you need, um, you know, if you need like a sport to make you justify her being New Zealander of the year, because uh, I mean, nobody in this room, let's be honest, but you know, some people <laughs> like sport out there. Um, her eyeballs are the size of soccer balls. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could come up with. <laughs> um, and even though she's aged, she still manages to put on a good show. I've visited the Colossal Squid every year since the Colossal Squid went on display in 2007. And, um, and, and she is so mangled now that they don't even try to hide it anymore. She's got these, like, cross, crisscross sewing. You can see where someone's gone in and gone, let's just stitch that up. <laughs> good as gold. Um, and recently, uh, the Colossal Squid actually... Is, is you, I know you're inspired, but you can't go and see her now because um, as of Aww. Easter, she has been temporarily pulled. So you've got to wait for 2019 when she makes her... Gra- she's like Cher. So she's coming back. <laughs> she can't come back. And so uh, you've got to wait. Go to Wellington in 2019. And the last thing I want to say about the Colossal Squid is I once dated a guy 
and we went to Wellington uh, when our relationship was on the rocks and um, I showed him the colossal squid. And I was like, this is the colossal squid. He wasn't from New Zealand and he was, he was really impressed. And then I went to the bathroom and while I was in the bathroom, he bought me a I love the colossal squid badge. And even though I didn't love him, I stayed with him for three more months. <laughs> that's, that's true. I was like, this guy knows me. <laughs> so... For all those reasons and many others that you can investigate in your own time, Colossal Squid, New Zealander of the Year 2019. Mm. Emma, you're getting bonus points for those three months. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, our next round is crossovers. Oh. So we are looking for some unusual connections. Andrew, do you have some for us? Yes, I do, and I will require the voice acting skills of Jeff and Dan to right. join in as well. Are you You're trying to get into your Google Docs? No, I've got it. I've got it right here. Oh, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, here we go. All right. Right, this is a crossover of Winnie the Pooh and War that I call... Uh, no, I'll just wait, read it. A, a crossover of Winnie the Pooh and War. War. Any... Nuclear War in particular. Just general oh. war or...? Nuclear War. Um, I call this one Z for Zachary Orr. <laughs> Rapidly deteriorating relations between the owls and the heifalumps had reduced the hundred acre wood to the hundred crater wasteland. It's a good thing we built this fallout shelter this morning, said Piglet. Yes, said Pooh, feeling slightly muddled by the whole situation. It was most unfortunate that there was a convenient pile of twigs near Eeyore's fallout shelter for, our to build our, for us to build ours with. Uh, Pooh, said Piglet, do you suppose that the pile of twigs we found perhaps was Eeyore's fallout shelter? <laughs> oh, bother, said Pooh. <laughs> End of the road, <laughs> said a gloomy voice from outside. Nothing to do. Continued the twitching, tattered, grey thing that was once Eeyore as it snapped the twigs of the shelter with disintegrating, faintly glowing limbs and peered inside, hungrily sizing up Pooh and Piglet. And no hope of things getting better. Afterwards, Eeyore concluded that Pooh was right. He really had been a bear of very little brain. That's grim. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Dan, do you, do you have a crossover for us? I sure do. Great. Good evening, conspiracy realists. <laughs> <laughs> On September the 7th of 2016, Apple confirmed the circulating rumours and officially announced that the iPhone 7 would come without a 3.5mm stereo jack. Apple CEO Tim Cook cited the reason for, uh, for this as being bravery. But was this really about throwing off the tyranny of wired headphones and reclaiming the internal space taken up by the jack? I suggest otherwise. And to find out why, we need to go back to the start of 2016 and look at another cultural icon adverse to things sliding into a hole in their bottom. Kanye West. <laughs> At 9.34am on January the 28th, Kanye's ex, Amber Rose, interrupted a Twitter feud between West and Wiz Khalifa with the following tweet at Kanye West. 
Are you mad I'm not around to play in your asshole anymore? Hashtag fingers in the booty ass bitch. <laughs> it seemed that this hit a nerve, if not a gland, <laughs> in Mr. West, as he immediately deleted his entire rant before replying at 2.08 a.m. on January the 29th with, X's can be mad, but just know I never let them play with my ass. I don't do that. I stay away from that area altogether. <laughs> and then at 2.09, followed up immediately with the puzzling, I'm not into that kind of shit. I like pictures and videos. <laughs> Me and my wife got the kind of love that can turn exes into best friends. Kanye then went on to protest too much <laughs> at several live events over the next few months. Why? <laughs> the simple answer says homophobia and gay panic about butt stuff. <laughs> but, as Amber Rose may or may not have said, let's go a little deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kanye West petitioned Apple to remove the stereo port from the iPhone so people inserting the jack to listen to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy would not associate it with his butt being penetrated. <laughs> so far, so obvious. <laughs> but who else probes butts? <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> I stay away from that area. <laughs> What area? <laughs> Delete all of the spaces in the 208 tweet, i.e. remove the holes. <laughs> and how many remaining characters are left? 51. <laughs> the message is right there, sheeple. Stay away from area 51. <laughs> Why does Kanye want us to stay away from area 51? Who else would know the secrets of this mysterious location. Who else says delusional nonsense in the middle of the night on Twitter? Who else lives in a bubble of narcissism surrounded by yes-men? And who has Kanye recently visited in much publicised, but again, puzzling meetings? President of the United States, Donald Trump. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying I'm a gold digger. <laughs> But let's keep digging for gold. <laughs> what if Kanye is not worried that people will think he likes stuff in his butt and is instead concerned that the truth will get out that that is the source of his powers? <laughs> for all of his ridiculousness and braggadocio, West is an exceptionally gifted rapper, producer, and lyricist. What if this came from an otherworldly supernatural gift. The truth that some have unwittingly accused him of from sticking his head up his own ass. <laughs> and if you had just been made privy to this information in the one classified briefing that you bothered to listen to, 
Would you not want to harness it for yourself? I am suggesting that Kanye visited Trump so that Trump could climb inside his ass <laughs> and absorb his Yeezy man. This is not a sexual thing. <laughs> If only it was. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a fully dressed grown man clambering through a porthole into a flotation tank. Because that pussy-grabbing locker-up motherfucker wouldn't even take his shoes off. <laughs> Truth bomb, ladies and gentlemen, Kanye literally and figuratively sold his ass to the late-stage capitalist neoliberal 1% elites, and now Apple are becoming complicit in the erasure of history. Oh, there are no extraterrestrial beings with talent incubating ass wombs. Oh, there are no 3.5 millimeter stereo ports. <laughs> there never were. <laughs> it was a weather balloon. It was swamp gas. And appointing is draining. And ignorance is strength. And conspiracy is bravery. Two plus two equals five. Sent from my iPhone. <laughs> we have our, our, our last unusual connection here. Jeff. All right. Um, as you may know, um, no, next year, uh, 2019, is the 40th anniversary of the uh, seminal sci-fi horror movie Alien. Yes, amazing, amazing work. But it is also the 20th anniversary of a, a piece that I wrote in 1999 uh, for a skit show called OK Comedian, which won Best Comedy at the National University's Comedy Competition, and which I proceeded to trot out for a few other shows after that, <laughs> milking it as long as I could. But now, it has come round again. This is a mashup of Alien, the works of Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> that I simply call Alien, exclamation mark, the musical. <laughs> I will play every role. <laughs> <laughs> we see space. Letters slowly appear in the dark darkness, eventually making up the word Alien, exclamation park, mark, the musical, music and lyrics, mostly by J. Lloyd Clark, Esquire. The Nostromo drifts through space and we see Ripley sitting, gazing, looking out the window. In space, no one can hear you screaming, what's that unknown distress call? Shall we go check it out? Don't go down there or something weird will jump on your face <laughs> and shove something down your mouth. Cut to the man, the astronaut entering John Hurt. He's hurting on the inside as something begins to work on his chest cavity. He staggers in the middle of the dinner hall as his crewmates look on horrified at what is happening. What's that inside of me? A strange duet. The creature growing there grows stronger yet. My star 
surveys the room and locks eyes with Ripley. What eyes or that weird ridgy thing? Say you don't hate me because I'm ugly Even though I have a mouth or two <laughs> Mouth or two <laughs> Understandingly and still have feelings Try to see a bit beyond the goo. Love me, that's all I ask of you. <laughs> Ripley has obviously lost all of her friends, and now she has to think what to do. As everyone else in the ship is killed, she looks out the porthole and wonders. to the escape pod, but the alien is there, bigger than ever, huge, with a massive head. She walks to the airlock, she slowly unlocks it, and the, uh, she pushes it open, she holds on, Jonesy the cat's with her, and the alien is being sucked out, but as he goes, don't cry for me, Sigourney Weaver, the truth is I'll never leave you, you'll make a sequel, and then another. We'll be a franchise. You'll be our mother. <laughs> the two of them singing together in perfect harmony, which I can't do because I'm just one man. <laughs> Let the alien live Fuck everyone! Game over, man! Game over! And then the sequel! No, no, stop, 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 stop! No, just stop, just stop! I'm touching Yeah. There was an encore. Laura, do we have a champion of champions? Well, we do. I've actually got a podium here. So in bronze, if we're handing out medals, which we're not, but if we were, Emma, well done. giving up three months of your life, you get a, an imaginary bronze medal. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that was on 203 points. On 209 points was Brendan. And so And the nerdiest of all the nerds, the champion of champions, nerd degree, is Mr. Jeff Clark. Jeff Clark! Oh. Oh. Thank you very much for coming on. Big round of applause for Aaron Harrington, Jeff Clark, Emma Custin, Dan Bain, Andrew Keppel, 